Hello, friends and listeners. This is Wickham James No Filters Media Podcast. I'm here with my good friend, Joni Wickham. I'm Sly James, co-founder of Wickham James Strategies and Solutions, uh, the author of two books, A Passion for Purpose and The Opportunity Agenda. And we're here to talk to you about some tantalizing, interesting subjects from time to time and hope that you enjoy it. And I'll introduce my good friend, Joni, to you. Man, I think tantalizing is one of my favorite words that's not used a lot. I'm going to figure out how to use that more in my conversation. Um, Hey, everybody. My name is Joni Wickham, co-founder of Wickham James Strategies and Solutions, former chief of staff um, to Sly when he was mayor of Kansas City, Missouri, um, author of the best-selling book, The Thin Line Between Cupcake and Bitch, and really excited to have this episode today where we answer the question, can you really have it all? Sly, can you? Well, I don't know. I think I'm going to wait until next spring to see how this pool project of yours comes out uh, uh, to see if you can actually have it all. I think that, first of all, we have to define what all is. All to me is not necessarily all to anybody else. But I think people who are striving to have it all miss a very important thing. And that is, is it better to have a little bit of everything or a lot of something that's really important? Um, I, you know, we, we often spend a lot of time chasing butterflies and tripping over the, our, our dogs uh, that are laying at our feet. I'm not sure. That was that was pretty interesting, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, it's one of those things that happens when you're, you know, semi-genius and on, on meds. Uh, but um, I think that sometimes chasing it, wanting to have it all means that you forget and to be thankful for the little things that you do have and that are actually very big in your life. Yeah. I also think too, that um, we often try to have it all um, in the context of what everyone else wants and maybe not necessarily what we want. Like what's, what's truly important um, to me may not necessarily be your exact value system. So I know I see a lot of folks um, often chasing that having it all, based on how other people view it rather than what they want. And I think that's kind of a, um, um, a, a difficult place to navigate. Yeah. And, you know, and I think, too, I think there are a lot of distinctions here. That's a pretty broad thing, having it all. First of all, um, again, everybody's all is going to be different. Some people voluntarily chase all. And some people are involuntarily committed to having to do all. For example, if you are a single mother of three, you have all sorts of responsibilities, child responsibilities, school responsibilities, work responsibilities, household responsibilities. So you have it all. You may not want it all, but you have it all. And you have it all by necessity. I think that's different than people who voluntarily and with and for whatever purpose want to chase down everything that they possibly can get their hands on. Also, I think having it all is is indicative of what I'm beginning to understand is the meism culture, where everything is about me. I want me to have everything. It's not a zero sum game. Just because I have it doesn't mean that you can't. But I think that the idea of wanting to have it all uh, beyond certain realistic limits is really more about yourself than about the experience that you acquire from having things all. 
Yeah, and I think that's a really good point, particularly the one about the the single mom to three kids. Um, yeah, she might have it all out of necessity, um, but not necessarily want all the um, things that arrive on her plate, uh, where other folks might be trying to um, make sure that they can figure out a way to um, kind of balance many different things um, because they want to. Um, so that's a good point. Um, we have talked before about how um, when you had younger kids at home, um, you would be on the road uh, burning up I-70 across Missouri um, to make it home for kids stuff and then be really engaged in the practice of law. Um, I think that's interesting in the lens of, of quote unquote having it all um, because you don't often hear guys talking about that experience. Well, you know, I, I, I don't know. It might be a, a product of, of advanced age, but, you know, I was blessed with a couple of circumstances. Number one, when I was traveling while I was practicing law at Blackwell Sanders, where it was really the paper chase and you were expected to bill, bill, bill. And, you really had to if you were going to be a partner in the firm. And frankly, that was everybody's goal. So a lot of people just worked late at night. I would go home for dinner and then come back after everybody was asleep and work. That's kind of having it all in that context because it allowed me to do two things that were important. You know, I needed to be around the kids and, and home but I also needed to handle work. I also thought that it was important for me to show the kids the work ethic that's necessary in order to succeed. The other thing that you're talking about was when I was doing a uh, board of law examiner stuff down in Jefferson city and driving back at night to watch Kyle play a baseball game. And, you know, I remember growing up and I remember the feeling that I had when my parents were in the stands watching me and when they weren't. And I much preferred the ones where they were. It seemed to me that it's important for a child who's trying to perform to know that the people that are most important in their life is are there watching and participating. And so two and a half hours each way or something, big deal, not that big of a deal. I had a great car, which is one of the reasons I got it, because I knew that if I was going to be spending time on the road, I needed a good car. So it wasn't a big deal. I was happy to go and watch my son play and I was happy that he was happy to see me because they'll always remember that. They'll also always remember when you're not there and you can't get that time back. So before, I, I think one of the things I want to hear from you though, is a lot of times having it all has been one of those things that have been ascribed to women. Okay. Yeah. Not so much to men, but to women. Well, you want to be a mother and you want to have a career and you want to do all this stuff. Is that what it means to you when you first hear that phrase about having it all? Um, I, I'm a little weird. I, I don't think I'm well, a very... Just no doubt about <laughs> I don't even know why you had to bring it up. Um, I don't think I'm a, a person whose value system um, puts material things um, at, at the top. Um, I feel like... I honestly feel like I quote unquote have it all more like right this moment than I ever have because I have more freedom 
over my life than I ever have. Yeah. Um, you know, I can get up at 6 a.m., work for a couple hours, take my kid to school, come home, do Pilates for 40 minutes, and then get back to work, and nobody's going to tell me I can't. Um, that, to me, is having it all because I'm very fulfilled with my work. I'm more present with my family. At least I feel that way. Um, and it, just that feeling of fitting in Pilates, um, uh, being able to walk the dog in the middle of the afternoon. That to me is more having it all than um, material possessions. Um, a lot of times when I'm talking at these women's leadership conferences or, or just one-on-one with um, women um, who have chosen to, to work outside the home or who have to work outside the home, uh, they always, uh, they typically ask, can, can women really have it all? My response is maybe, but you're going to be really tired when you're trying to have it all. Um, it is so exhausting to try to balance parenthood and um, working full time outside the home, being a good spouse, being a friend. Um, so I think we kind of have to temper our expectations sometimes of what we can all accomplish when we're trying to have it all because we are all human. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I agree with all of that. But my point my point is is that here's here's a parallel example. When I was working with Blackwell and I was on the recruiting committee, they were always trying to find qualified women and qualified men, uh, qualified African Americans or qualified Latinos. I never once heard them refer to a qualified white male. Okay. Right. So I have never heard the term can you have it all attached to men, only right. to women? And it's always that, and, and that's a very interesting dichotomy or uh, dynamic in my mind because somehow it already assumes that men have it all. And, and to a large extent, I think that they have had that opportunity to have it all because they've had backstopped at home with with uh, their spouse, whether that spouse be male or female, uh, but somebody is there working in that capacity and allows them to do all the other stuff they want. Yeah, honey, I'm working late tonight. I'm going out to dinner with the boys. I'm going to the bar. I got a business dinner, whatever. I'll be home when I get home. All right. That's that's not the way people have categorized women. You're supposed to be home. And if you aren't home, you're supposed to be home by a certain time. And whenever the hell you get home, it better be clean and it needs to be ready. And, yeah, I'm cool with the kids engaged in sports as long as I don't have to take them. Oh, so, yeah. You know, so you take them. You pick them up. That's the have it all that I'm used to hearing about. Or let me put it this way. I shouldn't say that. I should say that's the have it all that has been kind of embedded in my mind in that stereotypical way that I'm relating to. Yeah. Not to say that it shouldn't apply to men, but I think it's almost assumed that men already do. Yeah. Because you've got a, um, uh, you've got a support system, i.e. a spouse at home, um, creating the conditions where you can have it all. Yeah. So let's assume that you have an enlightened spouse like me and um, I'm not your spouse, but I am enlightened. <laughs> uh, but let's assume that you have an enlightened spouse like Fred. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Where part of where each party is picking up 
a percentage of. I ain't going to say half or anything like that. I don't know how those things work. And it's not always half. Sometimes it might be three quarters on one issue and a quarter on the other. Regardless is, it's offloading some of the responsibility from the other onto themselves so that both have more flexibility and they're more engaged in the day-to-day stuff. Now, that to me is a situation where I think both parties can have it all. Yeah. Um, you know, something really interesting that I've noticed, um, Fred and I, I think have a really, um, egalitarian partnership. Um, I do most of the stuff inside the house and he does everything outside the house. Cause I hate the outdoors. <laughs> well, with that skin, I can see why. Yeah. Um, but I'll tell you the area where the majority of it falls to me and it's not his fault and it's not my fault, it's outward social pressure, it's school stuff. Guess who gets called when um, our child is sick? Guess yeah. who gets called when we have to schedule a, um, a parent-teacher conference? It ain't Absolutely. him. It ain't him. It's so interesting to me. Well, it, it's, it, it shouldn't be, and I'll tell you exactly why. Because there are still people who call you to schedule me. Oh, yeah, all the time. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. They pigeonhole you in, that's your role. Moms get called on school. Moms get called on when kids are sick, etc. Which is one of the things that proves the very basic point of why we need quality child uh, child care, etc. Because moms are the ones who are always saddled with those responsibilities, whether or not they should be is another issue. But society has pigeonholed them very seldom. You only get dad only gets a call if they can't reach mom. That is absolutely true. That's absolutely true. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and that's that's hasn't changed since time immemorial. I'm not sure that it will. It might have loosened up a little bit, but I think to some extent it loosens up. Here's the other thing about it, though. When they call mom and mom shows up, then they know calling mom gets mom to show up. If they call dad, if dad shows up, that if they were to call dad and dad showed up, they might switch and start calling dad a little more, but they've never gotten out of the pattern of who's there. Now, here's another thing about it. What's the percentage of male to female teachers in a school? Um, we were just talking about this. Um, my daughter has her first male teacher this year that she's ever had. All right. So she's in third grade. You, got, you got female teachers. Who's a female teacher most likely to call mom or dad? Mom. Yeah. And and the reason why is because the female teacher is mom too and their yeah. situation and that's how they see themselves. They project that as well. Yeah. So there you have it. Yeah. And elder care um, is another area where um, if you want to talk about having it all, yeah, you might have it all, all the pressure of taking care of everybody around you. Um, our, our client United, we has done a lot of really interesting quantitative and qualitative research in this area across the state of Missouri. And then we'll be doing Kansas next summer. Um, and uh, we found to no one's surprise, really, that when families uh, need someone to take on the responsibility of elder care, it's typically the woman in the family. And so, yeah, so there's a lot of families across Missouri and I'm sure across the country where you have women who are trying to um, keep their head on straight, taking care of children and um, uh, the elder uh, members of their family. You know, that's an interesting subject that you brought up because I just read an article the other day that Jennifer Lopez, Jennifer Aniston, Angelina Jolie, and Halle Berry have started an elder care service. I'm. Uh, this I'm, is your dream. 
Oh yeah, no doubt. I'm retaining them now um, and getting them on my calendar. I will declare myself elder in about three weeks. And so I'm going to definitely uh, retain their services. But no, I don't think it's just a matter of elder care. I think it's a matter of care, period. It doesn't matter who, whether it's elder or younger or friend. When it comes to providing care, most of the time, it is the woman, the female in the in the group who is responsible to do that and who does that. Um, and that's I, when I was doing uh, uh, practicing law and doing nursing home cases um, and someone would come to me about a nursing home case where they thought the loved one had been abused. I would say that in fully 90 percent of the time, it was a female who came to me. There were times when males came to me um, uh, and it was about their dad or or in, or their mom who had, who they felt had been abused. And I would say a lot of those times, those men that came uh, were here, were there because they were living locally where the situation occurred and the sisters or whoever had moved elsewhere. But 90 time, 90% of the time when there was a problem in the nursing home, the people who pointed that out were the women. And then when I would look at the attendance logs to see who was visiting, it was the woman. And I remarked that I'm glad I have a daughter because I know that somebody will visit. And I know that I need a big screen TV because that might be the only way that I get the boys to show up on a Sunday. and Maybe they'll spend a little time watching football. But that's about it. That's interesting. That's really interesting. Um well, basically what we're saying is, is that we've, we've, we've ascribed these roles to people, all right, and these parameters and these expectations. And now there's a little straining against them, but they're still seeming to hold fairly fast. Yeah, yeah. So um, I guess overall the point is when you're talking about having it all, um, the answer is perhaps you can. Um, but sometimes having it all um, is overlaid with kind of um, society's expectations, which may or may not be aligned with your value system. Okay. So here's a question. How do you know when you have it all? When you can't do anything else, when there's absolutely no capacity to take on anything else, or I, uh, you know, that's one of the problems because again, what does having it all mean? Yeah. Uh, you know, having it all may mean uh, that, you know, okay, I'm retired. I've got a boat and I go fishing every day. I got it all. That's pretty easy. You yeah. can do that. If having it all means I want a million dollar house, a new Tesla, two gorgeous kids making straight A's that don't cause me any trouble. I want a career that's meteoric and written about in the newspapers. I want a fantastic husband and social life, and I want to be a philanthropist and show up at all the social events. If you're talking about that having it all, which some people are, that's exhausting. Yeah. Plus, I I will guarantee you that someplace along the line, you've got to hire somebody to do something. You probably hired a nanny to take care of the kids. Because you ain't you ain't have time for that, um, you know. So I, I don't know. I'm not sure that having it all is should be the holy grail. I think that having enough should be the holy grail. Or maybe just being fulfilled. 
Well, yeah, I kind of thought that that would follow the enough because, you know, if it's, if you're not fulfilled, then it's not enough. But that's just me. I mean, being the critically thinking genius type person, I just kind of skipped that middle step there. <laughs> okay. So then I think we've arrived at the answer yeah. that. Um, oh, you uh, want to end on that note, did you? Yeah, no, yeah, I like that. I like the way you tied that up in a bow, a bow tie. <laughs> so. Rather than aspiring to having it all, um, aspire to have enough and feel fulfilled along the way. Exactly. I mean, that's really what it's about. You know, it's like anything else. Uh, when you have things and do things in moderation, it's a lot better than when you go to one extreme or the other. It just is. Extremes always have consequences. Moderations may have consequences, but they're easier to deal with than the ones on the extremes. So, you know, I don't know. I think you ought to just I think people ought to do the things that make them happy. And when they do things that are stressing that or making them unhappy, stop doing it. It ain't that damn hard to figure out. Don't do things that hurt. It doesn't help. Unless it's Pilates. Then it's just part of the process. (laughs) Well, you may say that I ain't doing it. Um, You know, all those guys that were distance runners and bicycle riders dying of heart attacks, getting run over by cars. I said, it ain't happening to me unless there's a truck that speeds through the neighborhood, runs over the cul-de-sac, jumps the house and lands in the couch in my downstairs area while I'm watching TV. My chances of getting hit while exercising are very slim. Okay. And that is related to having it all somehow, I'm sure. (laughs) I have all this body. Yes. Yes, you did. It's lovely. (laughs) Thanks for listening today, everybody.